We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, and I'm sitting courtside at Team USA. This is kind of cool, and uh, I, I've got a really nice guest here. Well, one of he, you know, you don't like when I call you by uh, Saturday Night Live like guest names, I, right? So like, you can't be the Steve Martin of the show. You don't like that. So just because uh, that ages both of us, it James. does age. It we does need age to come both of us. So a more, you know, modern guest. All right, so I've also got, it's loud in here. I can barely hear you. Come on, let's get the energy going here, brother. I've got the Sam Amick with me, and uh, I can hear myself fine because I've got earphones in. <laughs> uh, I should probably do like the friend share earphones thing. <laughs> that, w- that wouldn't look weird at all. That wouldn't look weird at all. We're sitting here watching Ricky Rubio. Look, uh, Team USA. It's been an interesting run for these for these players. Uh, so many defects. So many guys deciding not to play. What's your general takeaway? How vulnerable is this team? Because it does feel like they're very vulnerable coming into tonight. So my quote-unquote expert opinion only goes so far because full disclosure, I did not go to Vegas to training camp. I'm just now getting a a feel for the roster for the team. But I have, you know, I I covered FIBA World Cup in Spain a number of years ago. I covered the Olympics in Rio. And so, like, my rudimentary look at it, just being honest, like, they look like a team that's in trouble to me. I look at the roster. I don't know where all the scoring is going to come from. I think the loss of P.J. Tucker matters, which is obviously something that just happened today, uh, another defection. But I think, I don't know when you're going to air the podcast. I don't mean to date it. But tonight's game against Spain I think does matter. I think this is a Spanish team that traditionally, you know, one of the best on the pl- Excuse me. One of the best on the planet. You know, you still have guys like Ricky Rubio, Sergio Lowe, Marcus Gasol, and they will likely give this squad a run. Uh, so th- it's a test tonight, but this is a very, very thin Team USA roster. Yeah, even uh, Rudy Fernandez yep. is here. Uh, interesting group of players on this Spanish national team. I think they're going to be very good. Um, now, as far as Team USA, uh, we, we don't get to see everything that happens, but we walked onto the court on Wednesday, and 
both uh, both Team USA squads lost to G League squads. The second game was not good uh, at all. They lost big time. Um, the G League team got hot late and, and just trounced them. And when we walked, well, when the squads broke up, it was quiet in there. I mean, you felt that, right? Right. Oh, 100%. In fact, after yesterday's practice, uh, I talked to PJ and a few other reporters as well about the way the media handled that news and that revelation. Yeah. So PJ was giving us a hard time saying, y'all ran with it, it's not that big a deal. His explanation was, we had just practiced for two hours, they were fresh, it was two practice sessions, like two quarters, 10 minutes apiece. And I get it, but I told him, like, listen, first of all, get mad at Marcus Smart because he's the one who stood up on the bench in the middle of the game and for all the you know people in the room to hear and for the ESPN cameras to catch, yelled, come on, y'all, this is embarrassing. Like, he yelled that fairly loud. Uh, I talked to Harrison Barnes after that game and, and even the fact that I said hello and I, in general sense, I said, hey, how's it going? And he just kind of rolled his eyes and he was like, well, like, that wasn't good. So, the, you know, they're trying to kind of clean it up in terms of the optics, but it was not a good look. But again, we'll see tonight going forward kind of what it means. Yeah, the Thursday practice, when we got to Thursday practice, they'd shut off the score. I don't know if you noticed that. They shut off the score. Always a good sign that, you know, yeah. Doth protest too much. Yeah, they're, they're getting out in front of it. Uh, and from everything I heard, the second, second time around was different. Um, and the other thing that I was told was that uh, the split squad si situation that they had going on that, that Wednesday practice, they only had one or two subs. The other team had full 10 players sw swapping out yeah. the whole time. And then they, they also, by the way, apparently they lost at least once, if not multiple times, to the select team in Vegas. Like yeah. that happened in Vegas as well. Uh, Craig Miller, the international team's wonderful PR man, was kind of reminding people of that and saying this has happened before. So I'm always cognizant of making sure that we don't make too big of a deal out of certain things. You know, but again, this one tonight, at least this is a real ball game. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's a, a real ball game too. So hey, Marvin Bagley decided not to not to play the second week with Team USA and he pulled his name out of the running. Um, I, I've got my own take on it, but what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, 20-year-old kid, he actually got a surprise invite for the second week. He had an, a legitimate chance to make the Team USA roster and then removed his name, uh, which could hurt him long-term with the program, but, but really, what, what was your thoughts? First of all, to the last part, the idea that he hurt himself with the program, and I'm somewhat tongue-in-cheek on this, but you know, considering the history of another former Kings big man, who got sideways with Team USA more than anybody that I can ever remember ever. with DeMarcus Cousins and then found a way to mend those fences with Jerry Colangelo and win a gold medal at the FIBA World Cup like he did. You know, Marvin, I'm sure, is going to have opportunity in the future. But I understand the logic behind his choice, and he hasn't spoken publicly to break it down, but the assumption would be just the mileage that comes with the Kings going to India in the preseason and the idea that you have a, a really healthy amount of the Kings rotation players playing internationally, not just for Team USA, but elsewhere. It just kind of reaches a point where if you're Vladi Dibots, if you're Luke Walton, uh, I don't know if they kind of, if, if this played a part, if they pressured Marvin at all to be the guy who doesn't play, but that stuff makes sense to me. And, uh, but I'm still curious to hear from him. Yeah, I, here's how I look at it. Like, look, um, Marvin, didn't get an invite to do anything but play for the select team. Where De'Aaron Fox was was called two weeks earlier and said, hey look, 
we'd love for you to play. Uh, we're going to bump you up to the, the main roster, um, and we're going to give you a legitimate shot to make the team. It happened about two weeks beforehand, so he had time to prepare, to think about it, to look at his schedule going forward. When they did it with Marvin, Marvin thought he was coming to the select team to play against Team USA and get them ready. There was no promise, there was no question that it, whether he was going to get invited or not. It just wasn't on the table. And for them to come to him at the end of the week and say, hey, you played so well, we'd like you to give up the next potentially four or five weeks of your life and just jump on and join us and, and play for this. It was a bit of a large ask. and. He probably had other things going on, and he decided that that's not what he wanted to do, and I, I can't fault him for that. Well, and I get it for sure, but you know, somewhere around here, the, the managing director, or I forget his title at this point, but the czar of Team USA, Jerry Colangelo, was walking around, and I'm sure Jerry sees it differently. The, the battle that Jerry has had to fight for the last decade is to continue to make sure that players in the NBA have what he deems the proper perspective on the national program. Yeah. Which is to say that a young guy like Marvin should drop everything for the chance to go from the select team to the national team. But you can't fault somebody for looking at it differently. But I think that is why, as they go into this World Cup, that's why I think there is a chance that they have deja vu all over again of the 2006 you know, debacle when they lost to Greece and the, the, you know, the entire program took a hit. You have some good teams out there. Serbia is very good. Their coach has already gotten chirpy saying a few you know, yeah. pretty cocky things about their chances. I mean, they've got Jokic, they've got Bogdanovic, they've yeah. got uh, Bielica. I mean, that's a really good team. Really good team. Now, Canada... Uh, lost Kelly Olenek recently, but they've had a good squad. Corey so Joseph? What's that? Corey Joseph is on that team? So, you know, they're going to get tested, and I just don't have a feel for the group at all. We'll see some of that against Spain, you know, but so far the identity seems to be lacking. You know, it, it does seem like the one player who has who's gotten maybe the most publicity out of this has been De'Aaron Fox. Uh, he's a guy who, again, was a late ad. Um, and all of a sudden, he's being mentioned as as a player who's not only likely to make the team, but likely to have a big role on the team. How much can this mean for a young player? You've been around it, like you said. You know, you've seen the cause and effect of what what being part of the national program and and what this can mean for a player's confidence and leadership roles and and, and just playing against really good players during the offseason. It's big. I mean, when you look at it in terms of the fraternity of NBA players. I think for one, it's just a great opportunity for guys like Aaron to, to just look left, look right, and learn from people who might have been doing it longer, pick up habits. Some of my favorite moments as a reporter covering hoops have been at Team USA practices where you might have, you know, this is the year that Paul George got hurt, but Paul George going one-on-one -on -one against Kevin Durant, and then Carmelo Anthony's coming over and they're doing like a, a round robin type thing where these are the best players on the planet like they're out there like artists just learning from one another and vibing and figuring out how to get better. For De'Aaron, you gotta soak all that stuff up, but now you might even have a little bit of a leadership role because of how emaciated this roster is. Yeah. But when you're sitting here sharing minutes with a Donovan Mitchell, you know, talking to a guy like Kemba Walker who's been doing this for a long time at a high level, that's gonna help. I think it helps your confidence. You know, if you go back to that year when they won the gold in Spain, the team that Marcus was on, I go back and look at that roster. None of those guys at that time were anywhere near 
the players they would later become. You had Steph and Clay, they were the Splash Brothers, but they were not, you know, MVP level, championship level. Uh, James Harden was on that team, you know. And then you have guys like Kenneth Fareed, who had like the best moment as a pro basketball player, you know, putting in good minutes. So De'Aaron, I think, made a good choice by doing this. It should uh, reap benefits down the line. Yeah, I think it's really interesting too, like talking to him, he talked about, uh, about Kyle Lowry hanging out with him and showing him the ropes and then telling him what he what to expect and what to look for. Uh, Kimba Walker saying, "Look, not only is he the fastest player at like in the league, but uh, none of us can stay in front of him. But he's also shooting the lights out." I, I really do think this is a moment where he can really step up his game. You talk about the the 2008 Olympic team; uh, they win gold, but 12 new players come back for the FIBA World Cup in 2010. Of those players, Derrick Rose, Steph Curry, uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, basically every MVP since then uh, are there on that roster and they weren't on the roster before. They all go on to bigger and better things. So I think it's just an opportunity. It's an opportunity for De'Aaron to to look and, and listen to Popovich telling him like, look, I need you to attack the rim every single time. Well, Do these things for, for me. For sure, and I think this is a weird par- parallel to make. I think sometimes we we lose sight of how often these players work within their own silos of their team and their group. And if you, the, the weird parallel is even like what we do, right? Like media, writing, whether it's the writing, the podcasting. If I go to like a sports writing camp with people who I respect and I sit there and spend day after day, you know, talking philosophy, talking strategy, sharing ideas, watching how you do your job, picking up little things, like that's the human condition, right? And I think that basketball-wise, this is a lab that, again, Colangelo, the rest of that group, Coach K certainly did such a great job. Now Pop as the coach and, and his crew. I'm a big proponent of the benefit for players. Yeah, I, I love what you say that they're in their own silo. They're hearing one thing from their coach. They're hearing another thing from their people telling them this is what we need to work on to get you to here. And then you come here and it's like, look, I don't have any motive to help you except for I want to win, which is what Popovich is. Like, I want you to win. I want us to win. And this is how I believe we can get there if you do this, this, and this. So I really do think it's a it's a good way to look at it. Um, I, you know, we haven't talked since all the moves. How do you think the Kings did in the offseason? I know the West got tough, um, but they made a lot of substantive moves to improve the roster. Uh, they didn't go get A-list guys, but they got guys that can support the young guys and maybe take that next step. What were your thoughts? I like it. it, it I felt bad for them because... Right out the gate, you know, the roster looked like, oh, okay, like playoff spot within reach and looking pretty good. And then with all the fireworks that came thereafter, you start handicapping this thing. And I've told you this, you know, plenty of times before. As somebody who does enjoy and appreciate Kings fans in general, I find myself having a soft spot for them. And, and like, you know, that was the thing. It's like, ah, that playoff spot is going to be a lot harder for them to hold on to than I thought, you know, you thought right out the gate. But the West did not do them any favors. You know, what the Lakers did, what the Rockets did, what the Clippers did. Um, you know, even a team, this is probably far-fetched, but like, even a team like Oklahoma City, like the idea that Chris Paul is actually gonna stick around, like he's a winning basketball player who is not gonna wanna lose games. They have no incentive really to tank this year. Um, yep. You know, there, there are mediocre teams like that that are gonna make it hard on a nightly basis to win. So all in all, they continue to go in the right direction. 
but it's all about that core. Like De'Aaron taking another step, Marvin taking a big step. You know, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the relationship is like between him and Luke because, you know, we know some of that friction between he and Dave Yeager and the different internal outlooks on how Marvin was used. You know, I don't have any clarity at all on how Luke sees him, you know, in terms of how he's going to get used, what the minutes might look like. That's a major, major factor. Harry Giles, hopefully staying healthy, taking another step. You know, to me, it's, it's the young crew and all the pieces on the edges is, is kind of how they get it done. Yeah, I, I fully agree about that. We, we really have to watch how it plays out. Um, you talked about the Lakers. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins blows out his ACL. Uh, we saw that yesterday. We, you know, we walk into the gym and see uh, Steve Kerr and some of the other people talk about it. Um, uh, you got to feel for the guy at some point. I mean, yeah. we've both covered him many times. We've had good times with him. We've had bad times. Um, but watching sort of his body fall apart, it to me has been, it's it's gut wrenching. It is. It's tough to watch. And what are your your thoughts on Cousins and? what he's up against now uh, we're talking an Achilles we're talking a massive quad injury and now a ACL on the left leg all within what 18 months right it's brutal it's brutal I, I talked earlier to uh, there was a radio show with, with Ramon or Shelburne from ESPN and I was trying to come up with a comp for a player in his prime who had this tough of a run physically and you know Derrick Rose comes to mind Brandon Roy you know, but I hate seeing, like Derek at least has had a renaissance of sorts. Uh, a player in his prime who is just seeing that clock fly by as he spends just an incredible amount of time like doing nothing but rehab. The psychological aspect of that, I think fans and media are guilty of not having enough sympathy for. Yeah. The fact that forget about what your bank account looks like, just being sidelined and having that lack of gratification uh, in what you do professionally, because I, you can you know, you know that when he has a good day of rehab, like, what's the level of fun that he has in his work life during rehab? Like, it's, it's drastically it's lower yeah. than getting there's, out of the floor and competing. There's no reward. The, the carrot is to get back on the court, and every time he he steps on the court, he goes down this again. This is gonna test anybody's yeah. like stamina mentally to go do it again to keep the weight down to be in tip-top shape, you know, to be in a good place. He had done some interviews after the finals where he kept losing weight during the offseason. And he was slim, you know, looked good. Uh, I feel for him, you know. And now it's pro sports are brutal. Like, everybody's going to say they feel for him, but they're not going to change the way they handle the contract negotiation next summer. Like, he's going to be up against it with likely another minimum deal somewhere to go prove to somebody that he can still do this. Yeah, the one other guy I would point out is uh, is Grant Hill. Grant Hill is a guy who missed substantial time in the middle of his career. He came back to redefine himself and to be a nice, solid role player. But at least Grant Hill made a lot of money. DeMarcus Cousins literally lost $200 million in this transaction. Last night, James, when I was writing my little news story, on the reaction from Team USA Kid, I was sitting next to you at a bar in uh, the LAX Renaissance, just having some food, and I, I didn't mention it to you at the time, but one of the tabs on my internet browser was your story about how it, you know it's fully expected that DeMarcus was gonna sign this $215 million extension, reported by multiple outlets at the time. Like, that part was real. DeMarcus was ready to sign it. Obviously, we didn't know that the Kings had a different plan. And, and from there, 
contractually, money-wise, it's been it's been terrible for him. Yeah, I mean, he will lose $200 million. All right, so the game's about to start. Uh, we're going to cut this thing short. But, Sam, thanks so much for coming on. Um, this is going to be an interesting – we'll get to see a lot about what Team USA is and how they might fare down the road. I agree. Thanks, brother. All right. Always good seeing you. Thanks for tuning in to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. Sorry about the noise level, but, look, we're sitting courtside at Team USA. About to watch De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, and the rest of the squad go out there and try to beat Spain. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You've been listening to the Kings Insider Podcast brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, please visit Apple Podcasts or Google Play to subscribe. And if you like our podcast, give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at NBCS Authentic. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in, Kings fans. We'll see you very soon. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.